For you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us by your word, your word which is truth, and who has called us to engage in reflection on that word, we pray that you would now sweeten this word in our hearts and our minds, that together we might grow in our knowledge of you and ourselves and the world that you have made, that we might more enjoy the calling that you have given to us, and that we might honor you more along the path of life, praying in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Be seated, please. Well, one thing I've always enjoyed about preaching here is uh, uh, the challenge of preaching sermon series, some of which have taken a year. They've only been comprised of maybe three sermons because of the time when I would come. It's been a blessing for me that you haven't had a pastor because I've gotten to come and preach at my favorite congregation more often. Um, And actually, you may recall, hopefully, that this summer we've been preaching a series on Psalm 29. Psalm 29 is a beautiful hymn in praise of God as our creator. And it starts with those opening couple of verses where we're invited along with the angels to praise God. And then in those middle verses, the psalmist motivates us by describing this powerful and glorious uh, electrical storm, something that we're familiar with here in central Florida, this powerful electrical storm that is not just an electrical storm if we have eyes of faith. It's a revelation to us of the glory and the power of God. Thunder and lightning and rain, not just natural phenomenon, but they're supernatural revelation to us of who God is and what God is like. And so this morning we come to just those last two verses. And in these last couple of verses, the the psalmist really spells out some of the results that we experience for accepting God's call and worshiping him. Some of the benefits, so to speak. And so we're going to look just at those last two verses, 10 and 11. Let me read them again. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. The Lord gives strength to his people. And the Lord blesses his people with peace. Two verses. And each verse has its own focus. There's a logic in these two verses. The first verse really shows us the basis uh, for expecting there to be any benefit in the worship of the true and living God. David is a good theologian, lays down the theological foundation for why we can expect what he tells us in verse 11 to come true. And there in that last verse... He really shows us the nature of the benefits that accrue to us uh, for those who are worshipers of the true and living God. So let's just look at each one of these verses. First, the basis of the benefits of our worship. And, uh, you know, we are reading Hebrew poetry, and most of your translations are going to show you that this verse is made up of two halves. They're going to show you that by uh, indentation. Uh, The first half is, the Lord sits enthroned over the flood. And then you can probably see in your translation that the Lord is enthroned as king forever is indented. And so we're going to look at this verse, and we're going to see two things about the basis of the benefits of our worship. And the first is the Lord sits enthroned over the flood. 
Now, I think that most of us, our minds go a certain direction as soon as we read that verse. We immediately think when it says the flood, that David is talking about what? Noah and the, and the, and the flood, because doesn't it say flood? And that's kind of close, but no cigar. Um, let's learn a Hebrew word. Everybody say mabul. That's the word that is used here, and it's not a word that is used very often in the Hebrew Bible. Mabul. Translated flood. And as a matter of fact, the only other place in the Hebrew Bible where this word is used is in what story? In the story of Noah and the ark. But really, it wouldn't make any sense for... David to be reciting this beautiful creation hymn and then just throw in an extraneous reference to the flood story, to Noah and the ark. It just doesn't make sense. But but there is a connection. Now, you're going to have to reach back in your mind's eye uh, to a sermon that I preached uh, probably back in the spring. I preached a sermon called, uh, now what what, what did I call it? through ancient eyes. Some of you will remember, we, we took a look at, at Genesis 1 and other texts to try to, to see that ancient picture of the world and really understand what God is revealing to us. Remember in particular when we talked about the firmament and the, the firmament separating the waters above from the waters below. Okay? Beautiful picture. A picture of God's good order, uh, where there's a, a place for everything and everything in its place, the waters above the firmament, the waters below the firmament. That's beautiful, as long as they stay where they belong. Now, now let's go to the flood story for a minute. Do you recall where the water came from when God flooded the earth at the time of Noah? Two places. It says that God opened the windows of heaven and rain came down. And God opened up the caverns of the great deep and water came up. Well, where else would water come from? Because there's only the water above and the water below. Oh, that was not good, was it? When the whole earth is now covered with those waters. What once was a well-ordered earth where people could not only survive, but thrive. It was all destroyed. It was uncreated. Instead of order, there was now chaos everywhere. You see those waters? Those waters that can threaten the well-ordered world, your well-ordered world, and bring chaos? That's Mabul. That's what's being referred to here when it says the Lord reigns, the Lord sits enthroned over the Mabul. Because you see, although from one perspective in the days of Noah, from one perspective everything became chaotic, yes? Because the good order was broken down and the water came down and the water came up. But that wasn't really chaos, was it? Not ultimately, because there was somebody who was in control. 
God opened the windows. God opened the caverns of the great deep. And when it was time, God closed the windows. God closed the caverns of the great deep. And then what did God say to Noah? Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. In other words, God brought about new creation. It's kind of like the lottery. Nobody can predict the lottery. If they could, what would they do every week? They would win. Nobody can predict the lottery. It's random. Now, at least a lot of us, a lot of us in this room are theologically what we call Calvinists. And that means that we believe that there are no accidents. There is nothing that is random. Is the lottery random? Not from an ultimate point of view. There's somebody who's in control. Now, why he hasn't let me win, I'm not quite sure. You know Steve Brown. Steve Brown says that Christians do not play the lottery until it gets over 30 million. (laughs) And then when they do, they tithe to Key Life Ministry if they win. But you get the point. From one perspective, the lottery's chaotic. It's random. But not ultimately. From one perspective, the flood brought all this chaos. But ultimately, God is the one who sits enthroned over it. If that's not true, we can't go on to verse 11. We can't expect God to give us strength. We can't expect God to bless us with peace if he ultimately is not in control of everything. So you see, this verse is the basis, it's the foundation of what we expect in verse 2. Now, remember back in verse 3 of Psalm 29? It says, The voice of the Lord is over the waters, the God of glory thunders, The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. Way back in that first sermon, we talked about these uh, Mayim Rabim, the mighty waters, these waters of of, uh, that threaten our well-ordered world, the well-ordered world in which we live, all standing for all those threats of chaos. And what David is saying is, yeah, those mighty waters are there, but there's someone who's above them, someone who's in control of them. And that's why we can have confidence that there will be benefits, there will be blessings that come out of our worship of God. He's not just over the flood, but as the next line says, the Lord is enthroned as king forever. Not just for a moment, not for a day, not even for a long period of time, but forever. You know, sometimes we, we get fearful, don't we? It's easy to be driven by fear. And there are so many sources that can feed our fears. There's there's just the natural stuff inside us that has this inclination to fear. And then we turn on this thing called the TV and we can just, it's like pouring gasoline on fire. When we, when we think about where our lives are, oh, I don't know if any of you are invested in the stock market to any degree. Anybody have an IRA out there or a 4013B? And how did you feel as you watched the stock market in the past week? 
Real encouraged and hopeful, confident, yes? Probably not. You see, it's so easy for that fear to strike in that at any... What happens when we go below 16 and then below 15? You know, it's just like fire. But you know, remember the story of the, uh, of the disciples when they were on a boat and there was just water and storm raging all around them. And, and they, for all intents and purposes, they thought chaos is going to overwhelm us. And they thought that God didn't care and Jesus was asleep. And you see, Jesus showed himself to be the God of Psalm 29. Why is it that Jesus could wake up in the middle of that storm and say, Peace be still, and the wave stopped. Because Jesus is the Lord of Psalm 29. Jesus is the one who sits enthroned over the chaotic waters, over the storms of life. And that was not only true then, but it's true now as well. Whether you're the youngest person here, whether you're the oldest person here, we all have those areas in our lives where we're just afraid that at any moment... Those windows are going to open up and that chaos is going to pour in. That it won't happen. I'm not a prophet. And I, and I would be misleading you if I were to say to you that the rest of your life will be free of anything like that. But I can tell you with certainty that there's one who is in control of all so that even if it looks in the moment quite chaotic... Ultimately, it's not. Ultimately, it's all part of God's good plan. And how many of us could tell those stories? Where in the moment, we said, God, worst possible time. What on earth are you doing? And after the fact, we see, we see now I get it. I could tell you stories. Just, you know, my wife's been in the public school system up in Seminole County, and she's worked a lot of different jobs. And for a number of years, she was what we call a staffing resource specialist to make sure that the um, uh, ESE kids got all the services that they were supposed to get. And she did that for a couple of years. And the job that she was working was about the job of three people. Um, so she's working about three people's jobs. And and really doing an excellent job, but because of some misappropriation of funds, they had the downsize, and Adele was taken out of that position, and there were some other things going on, and it was really discouraging for, for a lot of reasons. And so over the summer, that was kind of a chaotic time for Adele, and uh, then she was put into a new, she was placed into a new position which she really, really, really loves. And the people who remain behind in that old SRS position, they're now, they're now working like the job of four people. I, I, I've probably told you about Mark Jr. Just to make a long story short, the first week of his senior year in high school, he got in-school suspension and when he was in in-school suspension, he got out-of-school suspension. That's how the year began. Adele and I just came back.
succumb to the fear that they're out of control. Because there is a, a basis for expecting blessing and benefit. And it's the fact that the Lord sits enthroned over that mabul. And he sits enthroned as king forever. Now, in the next verse, having laid out the foundation, the basis, he can then show you what kinds of things you can, by faith, expect to experience as the worshiping community of God. Two things. The Lord gives strength to his people. And this strength is not just any strength. It's divine strength. Okay, let's learn, t- let's learn two Hebrew words in one day. Uh, O's. You can spell it like Oz. You know that wizard guy, the wizard of Oz? O-Z. But we don't say Oz in Hebrew. We say O's. Now that word O's, the Lord gives O's. The Lord gives strength. We've already seen that word in this psalm earlier. Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and O's. You see, we start with us saying all the, all the power that we see in the creation, that's God's power. And then David ends by saying, that's the kind of power that God has for you. Same word. It's God's power. All that power that we saw displayed in those verses 3 through 9. That's God's power. It's God's power for you. And of course, uh, we could talk about many things, but one thing that's at the heart of this uh, psalm is that thing that we like around here. It's called lightning. Lightning's interesting. From a scientific point of view, uh, for, you know, lightning can go different directions. Some of it goes cloud to ground. Some of it goes ground to cloud. Some of it goes cloud to cloud. Some of it goes from one part of a cloud to another part of a cloud. It just all depends on negative and positive. For example, the base of a cloud is really negatively charged and the earth is really positively charged. God has built it in such a way that the earth doesn't like those kinds of imbalances. And so there's this tremendous discharge of electrical activity to create a balance between the positive and the negative. And there's this marvelous display that we call lightning. Anybody have any idea how many electrical storms there are on the surface of the earth right, right now as we're here? Just approximately. 20. But let's go a little higher. That was a good guess, but let's go a little higher. Keep going. Keep going. Oh, you're getting closer. Keep going. No, though, that's way too high. But let's go back to 1,000. Go up another 1,000. Go up another 1,000. Cut that in half. 3,500. Good guess. Did you see how... That was a really good guess. Right on the money. 3,500 electrical storms right now. Somewhere on the surface of the earth. 3,500 electrical storms. These electrical storms are each producing more than 100 bolts of lightning per second. 
That's 6,000 per minute, 360,000 per hour, 8,640,000 lightning bolts are striking the earth each day. 2,559,200 per month. 3,110,400,000 lightning bolts strike the earth each year. Now, here's the kicker. Each bolt contains about 1 billion volts of electricity. Uh, now, it's kind of like saying, you know, that's, that, that solar system over there is five light years away. I have no idea what five light years is. And I have no idea what 3 billion plus volts times 100. I, 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 math is not...
fill in you, but he can so fill you with shalom that it'll just like flow out of you into the lives of the people around you. How good is that? He invites us to worship with him, those people around us. He goes on in verses 3 through 9 to give us all are 